Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and today we're going to be joined by some very special guests. We're going to be joined by the one and only Katie Goodman. Katie, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for the intro. <laughs> yeah, thanks. We're doing great. I, I'm, I see that you had a great weekend. You got to go out there and partake of the festivities over there at the SAFC over at Toyota Field, which we're going to talk about later on in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, good time. Definitely ready to get into that. Always, always ready to talk soccer. So nice. And we're going to be joined by our other counterpart here, the one and only Benjamin Bornstein of Project Spurs. What is up, Joe? What's up, man? I know you had a good weekend, man. You got to watch a lot of sports, or maybe you got to get a lot of sleep. One or the other. Who's to say I couldn't do both? There you go. <laughs> maybe you did some day drinking on Saturday too. That I did not do. Oh. <laughs> okay. Still got to watch a lot of crazy games. Well, there you go. There were a lot of games, a lot of sports to talk about on this episode. So let's get right into it. We're going to go ahead and start off by talking about who the San Antonio Spurs waived. Uh, over the weekend, the, one, the San Antonio Spurs did waive Elise Johnson, and they also signed and waived Jalen Attaway. It's believed that both Elise Johnson and Jalen Attaway will most likely see some time over at the G League with the Austin Spurs. The team did have one other player that they needed to waive to make the roster, what, 17 players, I believe. So that lonely player that they went ahead and waived today was none other than Joe Wieskamp, as the fans like to call him, Threescamp. Unfortunately, the writing was on the wall. Kid didn't see a lot of playing time in the preseason. And the Spurs, they did extend him, but... It, the second year was only a partial guaranteed, so they went ahead and waived him, unfortunately. So hopefully he finds a, you know, finds his footing and another team will pick him up and, you know, maybe he'll make a career somewhere else coming off the bench if he can go ahead and shoot consistently. I think that was the issue here with the Spurs. So let's go ahead and dive into this. Katie, what did you think of the moves the Spurs made over the weekend and today? Well, with Joe, I mean, he only played 29 games, averaging 2.1 points, five rebounds, 0.3 assists, 7.1 minutes per game. That's not a lot of time to do a lot, but I think it was pretty clear even last season, you know, they they gave him a chance to be with the core team and to try to make a name for himself, and he just wasn't able to do that for them. And so that happens sometimes. Um, and I know he had spent some time also with uh, Austin Spurs as well, and, and he talked about how that was a really good experience for him to just have more time to really play his style and play – the way that he feels, um, you know, he wants to play, maybe not under Pop's, uh, I guess, regime. You know, he had a little bit more wiggle room there for Austin Spurs. And, um, you know, I, I think about that and, and how it has to be just so hard as a player being kind of in that great, like that no man's zone, you know, you don't know where you're going to go, what you're going to do. Um, uh, yeah, and I think he's probably got a lot to work on if he wants to get back into the NBA. Um, but who knows? Who knows? who is out there and what they see in him, they might see that he can be a better fit for their team. Um, I know I read somewhere along the lines where he he needed to work on some stuff defensively as well, that he um, would be a little bit more beneficial in the attack. And, and if someone were willing to kind of overlook his defensive faults right now and maybe pair him with somebody who could, you know, pick up where um, his uh, his faults are, right? Uh, mm. and, and, and maybe he could work better with somebody else there. But... Uh, for the most part, that's just and the name of the game, unfortunately. Yeah, somebody had to get cut. Unfortunately, it was Wieskamp. Ben, were you surprised by the Spurs cutting Wieskamp today? 
Um, I would say no, only because of the other guys available to them. They, you know, they, they weren't going to cut Gorky Jang. They, they, there were just other guys they weren't going to cut. They signed Dominic Barlow after the draft, and he's young, and they want to see what he can do. They weren't going to cut him. I mean, they signed on Isaiah Roby, who was maybe a guy who was going to compete, who was going to compete with Wieskamp for minutes, and it was just he was he was stuck behind too many guys. And like Katie said, last year he didn't get you know he he got playing time. He got into twenty nine games. He just he wasn't shooting consistently, which is what they drafted him for. He's, they said, you were a great shooter at Iowa. Do the same thing here. And he didn't exactly do the same thing. So he's mm-hmm. he's got to get waived, unfortunately, because the NBA came up with the arbitrary number of 17 players on your roster. It's so random. <laughs> it's so random. I'm just like, explain it. You know, I, I think about soccer rosters, which have like usually 18 dress, but then you still have a whole nother roster to work with. You can bring them up or down interchangeably. I just, it's hard for me to be understand from the basketball sp- perspective, why you can't kind of work around with that, you know, with like a second squad, but I, I guess I get it for trade reasons and whatnot, but yeah. It's, yeah well. the, the old, so I know that it started out as it was always 15, but when they added the two-way players and the two-way contracts, they gave each team two two-way players. So that's how it got to 17. Got but it. I don't know how they decided on two two-way players or why it was 15 in the first place. So yeah. I wish I could help you there. But it was <laughs> NBA making up numbers. It's like, whose line is it anyway? Right. They're like, let's just keep things really interesting and make these rules really complicated. So... <laughs> is even more hard to follow right <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead yeah. and get into some of the numbers here our good friend paul garcia of project spurs said that with the spurs waving waste camp they're going to have they're going to take a 2.2 million cap hit on their books for this season waste camp's deal for next season was non-guaranteed still the spurs will have about 30 million in cap space this season um and now he says with the team now the team has a full season uh, with romeo langford now uh, so this coming summer, they can go ahead and make Lanford a restricted free agent if they go ahead and give him a tending qualifying offer of $7.8 million. So that's just a little bit about, you know, the overall cap hit and the numbers, numbers wise by our good friend, Paul Garcia, who is a great stats guy. So give him a follow on Twitter. Are you looking to upgrade your current live stream? Well, our good friends over at Nerd or Die have you covered. They have everything from alerts to customizable overlays and everything you need to make your live stream look its best. Go ahead and check out our friends over at Nerd or Die by simply scanning the QR code you see on screen. Yeah, so let's go ahead and move into our second uh, topic here, which is gonna be something I know we don't all like to talk about him because we don't wanna give him a lot of screen time, but we're gonna go ahead and talk about some of the comments that one Steven Jackson said over uh, the weekend. This is where I saw this on Twitter. Uh, for the all that all the smoke podcast and I mean Stephen just says outrageous stuff I think a lot of times just to go ahead and you know pump up the numbers for all the smoke podcasts is, let's be honest I mean they have a lot of undesirables that are part of that podcast but the only thing that they did add recently was one Rachel Nichols which she is a certified journalist and great at what she does you know so she brings some professionalism to that to that nonsense over there like but brave entry on that one (laughs) you know i'm just she's the only yeah she's a weird journalist she has like what 20 years experience you know coming into that she's got emmys she's got 
I mean, she's got all these awards and accolades and by her, by her joining that podcast, she gives it a lot of legitimacy that it definitely did not have prior. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you have people like Stephen Jackson and he's saying nonsense, he's basically saying that, you know, they were talking about uh, DeJounte Murray. And after the Spurs traded him, basically the, uh, Stephen Jackson saying how he, he got out of jail now, you know, and they were saying that every player that gets out of San Antonio miraculously has a, a turnaround wherever they're going to land, you know, and the rings, they've been set free, you know, the rings have been set loose and they're out of, they're out of jail for all intents and purposes. And, you know, they, <laughs> they had, they're not being held back anymore. And that's the, the key phrase here. He said held back and he was referring to Kawhi. He was referring to DeJounte and on some of the other players as well. But what Captain Jack Fripp fails to realize is that, he says that the Spurs held him back too, right? But in 03, he did garner an NBA championship while he did play with the San Antonio Spurs. And he decided not to only play with the Spurs once, but twice. Second time, he couldn't keep his mouth shut. So they went ahead and booted him off the team. They had enough of him, you know? But yeah. let's go ahead and go with you first, Ben. I mean, what was your reaction to the nonsense that is, you know, Steven Jackson? I try not to give much weight to anything that man says because pretty much anytime he opens his mouth he has some sort of gripe with Popovich he has some sort of gripe with San Antonio there's never there's never anything he says that's actually a critical thought it's always it's critical just not you know in the sense that I'm thinking critically it's I'm just going to be critical of people um so for me, it's just another day where Steven Jackson opens his mouth and it means absolutely nothing because there are the stats and there are other conveniently not said narratives that would make his point moot. Um, Joe and I were talking off camera or, you know, off the record, whatever, you know, when he's talking about Kawhi Leonard being held back, what did we say? It was the 15-16 season. That was the yeah. year Stephen Curry was the unanimous MVP. But Kawhi Leonard was second in MVP voting. He yeah. wasn't a bum. Um, not by any means. And and I would argue that Kawhi Leonard has definitely not had better years since he left the Spurs because of his injury history, um, which another story, you can argue that was handled properly or not. But you know, to say that he's played better since he left – Sure, he was finals MVP in Toronto, was there one year, went to the Clippers, has really not done much there in LA. And so, played for what five hundred plus days? Right. Like I'm just I'm just not buying it. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. What about you, Katie? What do you think of these comments from this clown show that is this this all the smoke podcast? I think if you having to openly be a jerk and completely wild and insane off the court and even on the court to make you a good player, you have bigger problems. You have a lot bigger problems. And, um, you know, I think Pop was probably just trying to protect them, groom them, show them that there's another way to be really, really good and not be a total a-hole at the same time, you know, like, come on. Like, there's a reason that Timmy and... Um, you know, David Robinson and Tony and Manu, all those guys are so revered. It's because they're classy and the Spurs are classy and they're just not classy enough to hang with the Spurs and the system of play, which is a cultural 
team environment, you know, like we're not a Lakers where you're going to have a couple superstars mixed in with, you know, some supporting players like the the Spurs have notoriously always garnered this full team effort, you know, um, and so I just kind of. Like, that's one thing I'm really proud about for our Spurs. And whenever I see that occurring, whether it be like in other sports or another basketball team, I'm always proud to be like, oh, this kind of reminds me of the Spurs culture where everybody's in on it. There's multiple scorers. There's multiple assists. You know, it's not like, um, you know, just one superstar taking the reign and being a total jerk about it the whole time, you know? And so when I think about these players, hey, maybe they might have an improvement. It's probably incremental, all things considered in the, in the grand scheme of their career. And I think, you know, when they get older and more mature, they're going to realize, you know, okay, I improved a little bit here, but like, I feel like DeJounte is one of those guys you're like, okay, then what? You're not going to be a LeBron. You're not going to be a, you know, like, I don't know. It's just like, I think that ego is probably getting the best of of him at the moment. You know, I think you've seen so many clips all over the internet of him being a jerk to people now and just, you know, talking crap to people and like hitting people in the head with the basketball. That's painful. <laughs> you know, just stuff like that. Like, who is this person? And he was just completely unleashed. And, and it's just, I think it's only going to hurt them in the long run, personally. Uh, and so that podcast, when someone sent it to me, like when it first came out and I listened to it and I was just like, they're just, my first thought was like, they're just not classy enough to be a Spurs player. And they're just not, you know, they're just not there at that level. And they're going to have to go somewhere else and use their bad personality to make them better somehow. Yeah. I so. just think what they're doing is, I mean, they're entertainers at the end of the day, Yeah, you know, they're on showtime of all, of all places, you know, with that podcast. So they're getting paid to entertain people. So they're going to say outrageous stuff, just like the four letter network does as well, you know, and that's all it is. It's, it's not to be taken serious. It's to start a conversation to go ahead and get things going on social media and everybody retweets it like we did. And, and, and that's all it is, you know, to go ahead and get as many views as you can, because that's what they're getting paid to do. So they say outrageous stuff that makes absolutely zero sense and when you start looking at the facts you can go ahead and just dismantle them and, and embarrass them completely you know it's like, trying like, to get, get bayless of showtime yeah basically that's what <laughs> it is <laughs> yep. exactly yep. what it is i wanted to go ahead and share a little bit of a uh, little bit of spurs news and notes here uh, i did see uh, that our good friend jeff garcia of uh, ken's five san antonio had put out a, a tweet and you can go and view the the full article over at his uh over at ken's five.com but basically, he was saying that they have a new uh, mural going up over at Rudy Seafood. Uh, it's going to be of none other than one Jeremy Sohan made by San Antonio, local San Antonio artist Nick Soup. So he's having to redo all the murals because the murals he had put up there, they had DeMar DeRozan. They had a whole bunch of other players that are no longer here anymore. Uh, he does have some of the OGs there still. I believe he had uh, Tony Parker. They had, uh, uh, what's his name? Monty Ginobili. And I think he also had David Robinson over there. They're in the, on the side of the building. But everybody else that was on the front on the other side of the building where you're parking, all those murals are, are all being uh, redone with some of the younger talent here in San Antonio. But you love to see that. You know, at least they're starting to go ahead and give some of the younger players, especially a rookie like Sohan, some love. So if you all get a chance, make sure you go out and check that that mural out. Maybe take a couple of pics and post them on on your social media, you know, so just throwing that out there. But as we start going on to our next topic here, we're going to talk about, it's going to be a long winter for Spurs fans. 
as the season is is upon us. It's going to start on Wednesday when they go ahead and face the Charlotte Hornets. I'm looking forward to just seeing what they're going to do during halftime for Manu Ginobili now that he's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. That's what I'm here for. But realistically, Spurs fans are, are going to have to brace themselves. And one Mike Finger of the San Antonio Express News, he did go ahead and put out a, a decent article here. And he was saying just that. Um, basically, a lot of Spurs fans uh, have not been around for a full-on rebuild because you're looking at a lot of the younger fans in this new generation, this new era of Spurs basketball. For a lot of the OGs like myself who have been around for quite some time, we know what a rebuild looks like. We were there in the days before David Robinson. We were there before the Spurs got lucky and drafted one Tim Duncan. When we had uh, Dominique Wilkins, you know, we, we the Spurs went ahead and enticed him. He was playing in the League, played one season for the San Antonio Spurs, was their leading scorer. It's just sometimes the way the, the the balls fall for the lotto, you know, and, and they they fall in your favor and you wind up getting the number one pick and, you know, change the change the course of history. But a lot of Spurs fans just aren't used to the losing uh, and the re and the in the full on rebuild. So Mike Fingers uh, uh, article to me was quite telling and it was it was not humorous, but it was like, ah. Eh, He's not lying there. So, Ben, let's go ahead and go with you because I know you were reading this article because we were talking about it off camera before Katie came in. What do you have to say about what Mike Finger wrote? I think it's great. It was spot on. We're going to be, you know, if you're a Spurs fan, you're you're going to be um, you're going to be straight up not having a good time unless your idea of a good time is taking and potentially getting the number one pick. In which case, you're going to have a great time. Um, I personally am here for it. Victor Wembanyama to San Antonio. Let's make it happen. Get the signs going. Whatever you got to do, make it so. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good article. I enjoyed it. Um, I also think Mike Finger is hilarious at times, and every time I see his avatar pop up in my Twitter feed, I laugh because it's just a finger, and I'm like, this man is on brand. He gets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, do you want to tell Katie here what your what your catchphrase is for this coming Spurs season? Ben is, is a, um, a Victor Wimbayama fan, so I tell him it's not uh, tea for Wemby. You want to tell her what your catchphrase is? Yeah, we're we're going wobbly for Wemby. Oh, oh, that's cute. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's a nice ring to it. Yeah, I yeah. alliteration if possible. Yeah, I like that. I'll I'll adopt that. Maybe we can we can get it to be a thing. Get Let's that going. Maybe I'll give make you credit. Sure. Give you all the credit. Uh, yeah, like. I am excited for that kid. I Every time I see something about him, I'm just like, dear Jesus, don't let this kid get injured. You know, it's almost like a too good to be true, like killing it at such a young age, giant. You know, these like really, really tall guys tend to have a lot of like issues, you know, between like growing pains. Is he even fully developed? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like he's so young and I'm just like, please just maintain your health until you hopefully get here. I mean, something that really stood out to me in the article was how he was saying, even if you finish last, it can still be a 14% chance to get the number one draft pick, like only a 14% chance. That's That was a little bit of a shock. You know, I feel like I was all about the rebuild season and, and whatnot. And, you know, <laughs> everything he's saying is true. It's heavy and it's sad, but it's true. Um, and then when he, he brought up that percentage, I was like, ooh, this makes things look even more bleak. And then there's all of that conversation about Austin playing games in Austin and all the trust issues that the San Antonio fan base has around that. I mean, it's starting to sound like a bad relationship a little bit, <laughs> but you know, I think 
for the most part, like if you can reassure San Antonio that, that, um, you know, that it's going to be true to San Antonio, that the Spurs are staying here, that, that things are going to be great. And I know they already have, but like, we all know that that's in the back of everyone's minds. Right. Um, and so there's that. And then I don't know. I just, I think San Antonio are such diehard fans. I don't feel like they're, um, bandwagon fans, you know, because San Antonio has had a long dynasty. There's a lot of history to it, um, with the Spurs and, and I can't remember a time when they weren't good. So I know it's going to be hard for me, you know, like, or at least like, I think last season was the first taste of being like, what on earth, you know? So, um, I think, I think that, uh, I think it's good that they're doing a rebuild season and, and I'm actually ready for the games that they upset. I, you know, there's going to be one or two in the mix and you're going to be like, look at these youngins showing up, taking names, making things happen in the NBA. You know, like I'm, I'm ready for those moments where you can like start to pick up on how the players are doing well, how they're developing and how they're moving forward and, and stuff like that. So that's, that's what I keep telling myself. And who knows, maybe tickets will be more affordable. Maybe <laughs> merch really? will be more affordable. Who knows? <laughs> you know, while they try to get everyone to hang in there, maybe we'll get more free merch to encourage us to go to games, like stuff like that. So, and it's, you don't stay down forever. And that's what people have to, to realize. It's, it's all temporary, you know, like a, a, an organization with that amount of money who's had that much historical success you know, I think I think we'll be all right. Just got to give it some time. Yeah, I think what what fans really need to look forward to, and I've been preaching this since last season, it's not so much about the wins and, and losses at the end of the day. It's more about the development and the growth of this younger generation of player. So if you're looking to see the growth of one Josh Primo and you're getting excited for the game that you already saw, the last preseason game of the season, where he had 23 points in 24 minutes, those are things that Spurs fans can get excited for. Looking at Devin Vassell and him developing into a, a really solid player, a very consistent player. Again, things to get excited for. Looking at how well Keldon Johnson is going to be uh, able to go ahead and, 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 and let's say hone his skills against the double team. Because for all intents and purposes, he's going to be the Spurs go-to guy this coming season. So he's going to have a lot of double, triple teams, a lot of different looks from these other, uh, let's say, defenses out there, you know, and just throwing him a bunch of different situations where he might not be comfortable with. And again, it's going to be a, a part of the growth process. You got to get acclimated. You got to get used to these certain situations to get better. Losing will kind of, it's kind of like iron sharpens iron. Losing will teach you things. It's not a, such a bad thing. It hurts. I, I get that. But you're going to learn, you know, and, it, and the losing has to hurt in order for you to get better. And that's one of the things that I saw when the Spurs were in their rebuilding uh, years. They hated losing. No one enjoyed it. Not the team, not the fans, not the city of San Antonio. But the losing taught the, the, the players a lot and it showed them what they needed to work on in order to win. And I think that's what we're getting ready to see. And regardless of where the, the ping pong balls will fall at the end of the season, if you can look and see that you have a, a good amount of growth within this young core, the new era of Spurs basketball is going to be in good hands. The only thing that I'm worried about, and I'll be honest with both of you guys, is I get a little misty-eyed sometimes when I go to these games and I look down and I see Coach Pop. Because, again, every time we see him on the court, we don't know if that's the last time we're going to see him. 
And it's going to be a sad day in San Antonio when you don't have one coach Popovich out there on the court anymore, you know? So I think he's a lone holdover now from what was the Spurs dynasty. So once he goes, that's the last, last shoe to drop. And this is just a brand new era of Spurs basketball that we're entering. So enjoy the ride, Spurs fans, because when the team does win and they go to the playoffs, it's going to mean that much more to you guys. We know. <laughs> just, just remember, there's I think there's three guys on this roster right now who are teenagers. They can't even Josh, drink it. <laughs> this is Josh Primo's age 20 season, so he's going he's gonna to turn 20 at some point. But oh, my gosh. They are really young. There's going to be bumps and bruises. You just have to hope that they learn from those mistakes, learn from late-game situations, and are able to take that into next year. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Because even last year's Spurs, they, they had opportunities to win games at the end, but couldn't convert, didn't, you know, didn't make plays, whatever it was, you know, last five minutes of the game, what they, you know, what's considered clutch time. Yeah. But um, look, I would say some of the guys who were on that team last year, they're going to they're gonna thrive in those situations this year. They're going to be able to teach some of the younger guys a little bit about that. So I'm hoping some of that holds over as well. Yeah, I feel like there's a certain confidence that takes over an athlete when they know that they have to step up and when they're they're the mentor versus the mentee, you know, and, and they've, I feel like the Spurs is one of the best programs to be mentored in, you know, and so because they continually pump out coaches and players who are incredible and who make the game better. And it's all because of Pop's influence. So I think about that all the time. Like, when is Pop's last game? Like, I don't want there to be a last game, you know, and um, but we know it's it's all coming. Um, and I think he's probably just trying to see them through into the next era, get them through that transition period and and um, try to just start working towards the future. That's all you can do. And and uh, I think it's an incredible opportunity, even from an, an individual standpoint, like as an athlete, um, when you when I think about, you know, all the games that I've played in, I used to be a, a soccer player, by the way. So when I think about all the planes, games that I've played in, we're losing like crazy. And it's either you can continue to go down to that level or you can be the person that is still there trying your best every single time relentlessly. And coaches notice stuff like that because they want that mentality and mindset in a game whenever you are winning and it's close, you know, versus not just when you're down. So like there's a lot of opportunities to showcase so much more than just winning. You know, you can showcase that, hey, I'm a good team player. Or, hey, I have more past completions or you know like i was the person keeping the energy up whenever things were down and, and everybody wants a player like that so i'm sure they're they're pitching all kinds of uh, mentality narratives to these guys to just keep them engaged because think about being you know we as fans are over here sad imagine being a player in that situation knowing you're walking into a team that is going to tank and that you're young and inexperienced and you're going to get it handed to you, you know, like going in full knowledge, knowing this and uh, just the mindset that you have to have going into that. So I, I, I try to think, you know, yeah, we might be sad, but imagine the players. So, yeah, no doubt. So as we go ahead and start moving on to our next segment here, we're going to talk about this weekend's biggest winners and losers. Uh, so let's go ahead and get right into this. The winners. And this is a game that I watched. I watched everything. I have like a, a, a basically I have like a man cave here. So we have like several screens, projectors. We, we watch everything. 
when we're watching watching the games. So I watched the Tennessee, uh, I watched Tennessee defeat Alabama. And this was such a game because Tennessee finally uh, defeats Alabama and Nick Saban in the Nick Saban era. And the final score was 52 to 49. Tennessee wins and, uh, on the last second field goal. And the, and the fans erupted. They just stormed the field. They even had the referees on the run. They even <laughs> took the goalpost out of the game. Damn they, took, they not only took the goalpost down, they took it to the river. <laughs> yeah, they threw it <laughs> in the river. It was amazing. Wow. That's some serious fan dedication. Like, wow. The best part Like, was, I've seen people take the goalpost down, but not yeah. carry it out. Like, what? To the river. <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen, this, they had not beaten. Alabama since 2006. They yeah. played them every single year. They have not beaten them since 06. The iPhone did not exist. Oh. Okay. If you want to feel, if you want to feel old, all right. The iPhone didn't exist yet. You're rocking the flip phone, then, Ben. Yeah, you were the sidekick, whatever. <laughs> this hurts, Ben. We can't mention that ever again. <laughs> so sorry. 2000 and, 2006 doesn't feel like there wasn't an iPhone, but you're right. There was. It was much simpler times. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 worst or best part, depending on how you see it, um, the Tennessee athletic Twitter account turns around on Sunday and was like, we're glad you all got excited about beating Alabama. You took our goalposts down, but we kind of need a new one for next week so we can play a game. Somebody yeah. want to donate some money or a new goalpost? Well, I'm thinking, that's not the way to do it, my guy. That, no. is, that is not good. No, but <laughs> they're probably just like happy that there's some like yeah. fan morale, you know, and they don't want to like... <laughs> you know put out anybody's energy there but dang that was crazy that was so crazy and like i feel like that just tells you how good alabama is as well you know mm -hmm. like by uh just barely beating them and people go crazy you know like like man this team i i always talk about like how lucky they are to have nick saban they better hope that guy doesn't kill over anytime soon because it's very obvious that he's the guy that is making that program run smoothly and and for being the best football team in the nation. I mean, everybody gets good recruits, but like he consistently takes what he has and turns it into something crazy. And I am not a Bama fan. I just want to say I am a Mississippi State fan. That's where I went to school. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I hate Alabama. I hate LSU and I hate the Aggies. <laughs> Three teams dead to me. Wow. But uh, no so I was glad to see Aggies. Tennessee win. No love for the Aggies. Nope. Y'all can hate on me all you want. We were maroon and white first in the SEC, okay? So oh, wow. Back it up. Yes. Back it up. Preach that. Yeah. Yes. And you know what uh, Ben was saying, Katie? He's like, mm -hmm. for everything that Alabama has done right, they have failed to recruit a, de a decent kicker, and that came back and bit them in the oh. ass because that was the Achilles heel of their game. They never have good kickers. How you could can you recruit not? any other position, but they always have kickers. When it comes down to it, whenever they've lost games, it's generally been because of missed kicks. How could you not have the best kickers when you have the best team? That's sounds like an area for improvement. So there's that. <laughs> right? there you go. I'm like, how does that one fall through the cracks? Well, Maybe they just might be available because you used to be an ex soccer player, so she can kick the ball. Not for Bama. <laughs> I might have some eligibility at Mississippi State, but uh, no. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's also very different to kick a football. I don't know if 
like like I uh, saw this Instagram video the other day and they had some Premier League players go over to the Eagles um, stadium and they were just practicing kicking the football and it took them like four or five tries just to get it up. And uh, there was one guy, I don't remember his name. I'm so bad, but, but he, he did really great. But like, for the most part, these premier league players were struggling just to get the dang ball over there. And it's cause it's not round, you know, and you don't chip it like you would a soccer ball. It's a very different hit. But if I ever had to try, if I ever had to be on a football team, I would, I would attempt to be the kicker. <laughs> and there you go. There you Another go. game that we need to talk about as well was number 20, the Utah Utes upset number seven, the USC Trojans uh, by a final score of 43 to 42. And this was done in dramatic fashion. Oh, this is a great one. Utah Utes, they converted, right? And they, they scored a touchdown and they were still down by three points. Was it right? Three points. And they won, they won by one. So I think they, won they, they were down by two then. Because they they wanted on a two point conversion to end. Yeah, the so game. they were they were they were down one after the touchdown because it's okay. worth. So they were they were down seven before the touchdown. Score the touchdown down by one. Yeah. Instead of tying and going to overtime, Utah gets gutsy and they go for two and win the game. You know, the quarterback of all things, he went ahead and held onto the ball and ran it into the end zone. And will this team to wow. victory? And they wind yeah, up winning thirty-three to forty-two. And with that, Utah hands USC their first loss under the Lincoln Riley era. So there was two games that were just like making history for their said teams, you know. And Utah, I mean, they were the Utah Utes. The their fans were just ecstatic. I mean, they were so excited that this had happened. And I'm sure our good friend Chris Duell somewhere was very upset because he is a USC Trojan. <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw the game or not, Katie, but again, you know, a miraculous comeback, you know, and uh, to go ahead and win the game. I did not see that game, but I did hear a little bit about it. And I just, I think about like the guts it takes as a quarterback to run it in. Cause you know, you got to protect your quarterback at all costs. And so I'm always impressed by these quarterbacks who have a lot of running yards and, and uh, stuff like that. And, and, this guy is probably not going to sleep for like four days because after doing something insane like that, like that, imagine that could possibly be the highlight of his career. You know, that's, that's what an amazing feeling. Yeah. That's the cool. adrenaline rush. What yeah. about you, man? Did you see it? Yeah. I, I watched highlights of it, but I'd like to give a quick shout out actually to Syracuse who is six and O oh for the first time since 1987. Wow. Wow. Superpower in the ACC. Wow. <laughs> oh, another, another team I want to go ahead and uh, give a quick shout out to here too is because our good friend Jonas Clark, he was in the studio with me over the weekend as we were watching everything, including boxing, UFC, all that. And I was sitting down at the table and me and Jonas were having some drinks. And Jonas is like, oh, the Florida Seminoles are just going to go ahead and upset uh, Clem the Clemson Tigers. They're just going to, you'll Florida see. They're making, Florida yeah, State. Florida State. And he's like, they're not going to Florida. Florida. You don't say Florida Seminoles unless you are talking about the tribe. <laughs> They've gotten the blessing from the tribe to go ahead and be called the Seminoles. Yes, we'll but they're like Florida that. State. University. Yes, it's Florida State. We'll, we'll make an important it right. difference to be had there. Okay, Florida State. Well, Clemson went ahead and beat Florida State by a final score of 38, 34 to 28. And they remain undefeated. They are now 7-0. 
you know? So I looked over at the table at the final score and I pointed to Jonas and I said, Hey, look what happened. He's all, ha ha ha. I was wrong. <laughs> and the other game that we're going to go ahead and talk about too, on our, our winners and losers here, or we're going to talk about the Houston Astros. Now this game, I, I, I swear we were watching this the whole time as we we're watching everything else. We had it on one of the screens. The game started at 3.07, around, you know, Central Standard Time. This game went on forever, man. We were like 0 0 0 0. The Seattle Mariners finally lost in 18 innings by a final score of 1 to 0. And this was a marathon game, and it was the longest 0 to 0 mlb game in postseason history this is the game that would not end everybody wanted this game to end i think we're already approaching like maybe the nine o'clock hour and the game was still going on i think this game went on for six plus hours something like that it was it was insane but either way the houston astros are moving on and they went ahead and swept the seattle mariners i don't know if you're one of these gals that likes to watch a uh an old good old-fashioned baseball game but can you imagine sitting there in the stands katie for 18 innings it's precisely why i don't like baseball <laughs> unless i'm going there to get drunk and tailgate then you know i'm like that i can you know withstand but it's just such a slow game for me and i'm just not fully bought into it yet you know and, and i know i have to know what's happening going on for all the things that i do but you know when it when i think about those really long games i'm just like wow how are they doing it if we're tired just watching them, how are they still in the game mentally at all whatsoever? They were know. running out of pitchers. I think they were both down to like their last relief pitchers. That was it. Yeah. You know, they didn't have no one else. It was yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Throwing arm had to be hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No I think that's the point. Often. They were using position players. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Did you watch the game, Ben? I mean, no, you I didn't. have zero tolerance for watching baseball. Oh, <laughs> there we go. That, that's why you and I get along, Ben. There yes, go. yeah. <laughs> if, listen, if you think the NBA season is too long, let's talk about the MLB season, okay? 162 yeah. games, and you're playing like you're playing your division. What is it, forty something times? What are we doing here? Yeah. That's really, really what it is. I'm a Red Sox fan, so unfortunately my team's not even in the postseason, but I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. I've been a Red Sox fan since I was a kid. That's never changing. I don't care for any of the Texas teams. I'm going to be honest with you guys. So I don't have a dog in the fight. I just thought, man, this game was just never going to end. And we're going to go ahead and talk about the NFL. And the Bills, they got the revenge on the Chiefs. You know, they won in dramatic fashion. Final score was 24 to 20. And another thriller. You know, every time these two teams meet, it's a thriller. It always comes down to the, the last play of the game. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen put on a, a miraculous performance. And this game, I think it occurred somewhere in the neighborhood of like 2.30 in the afternoon. So I remember I was watching it as I was doing other things. But again, I mean, you were not disappointed. So Ben, what did you think? Did you watch the game? It was it was the game to watch. I think it was like the 4 o'clock window, 4.05, 4.25. Those games, I'm on Eastern time. Yeah. So an hour, an hour earlier for you guys. But, um, yeah, I was watching that. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes never fail to put on a show. They are incredible. Um, that was a game I thought was going to be played in the 40s, uh, score-wise. Because <laughs> I, think, I think last time it was something like 42 to 36. Yeah. I just assumed we're going to get some fireworks. We're going to get some scoring. It was, it was a fairly good defensive game, actually. Yeah. I was a little surprised, but um, my fantasy team, 
was very happy about that game because I've got <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Eight. Josh Allen, and Gabe Davis. So yeah. I was ecstatic. <laughs> there you go. What about you, Katie? Did you watch the game? I was, I'm pretty sure I was at the Austin FC playoff game. Actually, I was covering that. So I, I think I was in the middle of that and wasn't too focused on uh, football because it was an crazy crazy game if you want to talk about crazy game that was a a tie rsl real salt lake and austin fc then they went to um penalties so uh yeah it was it was something else a <laughs> uh, very dramatic game but yeah no as for uh nfl i uh, didn't watch a ton this weekend just because i was very much taken up with soccer unfortunately but i did hear about you know the cowboys and oh, no. and how uh they're kind of wanting dak back in the mix after that result so I would, uh, I would be the fence for Cooper Rush or, or Dak, you know, and then after this game, I'm like, now nah, we need Dak back. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a pretty quick uh, turnaround for the Cooper Rush fans. You know, everybody was talking big Dak. We don't need Dak. Cooper Rush won the last two. And then the second he's put under some real serious pressure, then, you know, like they, they fall. But one thing that is good about this the silver lining is I feel like Cowboys defense has stepped up. They have, they're performing better without Dak back there. And I think it's because they were probably scared, you know, that they, they didn't want, um, you know, him to be under so much pressure. And, and when I think about Dak coming back, they keep saying, oh, he'll be back this week and then this week. And, and he, this guy had a, a, what is it, a screw and a plate in his hand. It's and this, this is his playing hand, you know, and it's, it's not like it's needed for force. It's needed for finesse. And if anybody's ever tried to play – a finesse style of any game and they have like a serious pain in their hand or their grip isn't working like that will completely destroy any effort you have you know like it's really really hard to overcome that mentally and so that's the one thing i keep saying about this is like okay yes we'd love to have dak back but um I think it's better to have him at at a hundred percent. You're at least like ninety percent. the The debate that I had was, you know, is Cooper Rush at a hundred percent better than Dak Prescott at eighty percent? You know, and so yeah. like if we rush him back, I guarantee you he's not going to be hundred percent. And so um, that's that's my thing. And and we only time will tell. We'll only be able to see what happens when he comes into the next game if he even plays the full game, right? He might yeah. not withstand it. So um, something to see there. Yeah. So the Cowboys, they, they fall to the, the, the horrible Eagles. I'm, I'm, I hate the Eagles because I'm a diehard die Cowboys fan. So they lose 26 to 17. The Cowboys, they just dug a hole for themselves early on. It was hard for them to climb out of it. They made some noise in the second half. And they made it interesting, but ultimately the Philadelphia Eagles, and it pains me to say this, they proved that they were the better team. You know, they were more balanced on both offense and defense. Even if Dak had played, I think the Eagles still would have bested the Cowboys. They're showing that they are the team to beat right now, and they are the only undefeated team in the NFL. So um, unfortunately, they are as good as we thought they were, were going to be. You know, so that's that doesn't bode well for Cowboys fans. The Cowboys got to find a way to keep on winning some games here. So let's go ahead and talk about the last thing we're going to talk about here in this uh, winners and losers. Losers were the Cowboys. Let's let's leave it at that. <laughs> the winner, though, was Deontay Wilder. I, I saw his last fight against Tyson Fury. Another great performance there by both bo boxers. But 
Deontay Wilder, uh, he needed to go ahead and win this game because his career was on the line. He hadn't fought in almost 12 months. So he goes and takes this fight, you know, that we were all waiting for. We had been watching sports all day, UFC, everything. We finally are waiting for this fight. We think we're going to be graced with 12 rounds of boxing. Was not to be. Deontay Wilder knocks out his opponent, Robert Hellenus, three seconds into the first round. Just hits the guy, lands him flat on his back. It looks like he's on the ground convulsing. That's all she wrote. Deontay Wilder has a career record now of 43-2-1. So for all intents and purposes, he lives to fight another day. And everybody's saying that the rave is on social media. Deontay Wilder is back. So if you paid to watch this match, you were either very excited or sorely disappointed because three seconds in the first round and that was it. You, if you, you go and look on social media and Twitter has the whole fight there. All three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I whenever somebody is convulsing like that, it just gives me cringe to the next level. And like I think about that and Tua and just all of the traumatic brain injuries that these poor athletes go through and like all in three seconds. Like you risk your brain health for a three second fight. But I mean, I also get it. We got we love the sports, right? This is what we do. We sacrifice our bodies for the love of the game. But dang, I was like, someone check on that guy. Like y'all are just celebrating, and he's still convulsing over here. Like that seemed seemed a little insensitive. Like I think the soul left the husk, Katie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which makes look, me really sad and uneasy. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not built to see this stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, like. I'm queasy yeah. when I yeah. see things like that. Yeah, so we, we, there were some boxing matches that they had on too. I think it was watching Top Rank too, and they had the ladies going at it, and they were really putting on a show. One of the ladies had a big old gash over her head here, and that was early on in the match, but she kept on going, and she was she actually won. She KO'd the other gal, and she came out victorious. Her whole outfit started off white by the end it was all red red oh that creeps me out too that creeps me out. like everyone's blood just flying everywhere like yeah you know for me dog the, yeah the, the funny, there was a funny part in that match because she had this gash on her head and she was just bleeding profusely and the other gal came out and right as they started that match she kind of rubbed herself on the other oh. gal and then she just looked back she went back like ah you know, yeah. you got in your mouth. <laughs> One way to get into somebody's head, I guess. Exactly. You know, like don't need to talk crap if you can just rub your blood, nasty blood guts all over them. You it's something about women's fights that are next level like empathy for me. Like I for some reason when I see guys fighting, I'm like, oh yeah, oh that had to hurt. But when women get hit really hard and knocked out, I'm just like she's gonna die. <laughs> She's gonna die, you know. Like <laughs> I just can't imagine like being in a fist fight like that. Like that is. Mm. I'm gonna be honest. Some of the women actually put on better performances than the men, especially in the UFC. Some of these ladies put on a show, especially on the undercards. You're like, wow, that was a fight, you know. It's, it's the same with soccer. You know, you see a lot of these male soccer players flopping when women just beat the living crap out of each other on the field, and you know, like all like they just don't let up you know whereas men will flop to get the foul or whatever and it's not like women don't do that either but mm. you know i think anyone who's watched a ton of soccer can attest that a women's game like it's gonna be gnarly 
So it's brutal. Yeah. yeah, me and my daughter are get big into the the World Cup, the ladies' World Cup. We watch it together. We've been watching it together since she was a, a child. Now she's 18 years old. Oh. She knows it's coming up, and we were matching shirts the whole bit. And my wife's like, "What did you do to my daughter?" Because she hears her when she comes into the the living room, and she hears my daughter goes, "Kill her, make her bleed her own blood." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> she's wow like, she's like what are you love doing? the enthusiasm <laughs> she's love like it. what are you doing to my sweet girl i'm like that's what happens when world cup like, comes out it's yeah they're off you know <laughs> it, it is crazy town no doubt leave it all on the field but does she play does she play at all yeah she did she played uh, soccer when she was a kid you know all the way Good. when she was a kid she loved it you know and then she got older and she's like, you know what? Let me go ahead and try some of this entrepreneur stuff with the Girl Scouts. And she loved that more. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's right, girl. Learn how to make your money early on. You're set yeah. for life. Yeah, now she's not with us anymore. She's over at UTSA living in the dorms right now, doing her oh. thing, going off to college. I see her on the weekends, you know? So I have living that. the dream away from dad is what it sounds like. <laughs> no, I still miss her, man. But man, I tell you what, it's really expensive having her go over there. <laughs> Yeah. So, as All we on here, let's go ahead and talk about some fun segments here. And these are the ones that we can get a little crazy with. So I went ahead and started a Spurs Twitter pay playlist, you know, on Spotify, just for the fans. I got a lot of uh, reaction from the fans, a lot of comments. They were wanting me to add certain songs because that's what I told them. What song gets you hyped up when you're going to a Spurs game or you hear it and it instantly makes you remember the San Antonio Spurs. So we'll start with you, Katie. Do you have any songs you'd like to add to the playlist? Usually Jack Harlow, you know, like anything by him is pretty good. Like he has, um, what is it? Um, what industry baby and what's poppin' and Tyler Hero. And then I think like heavy bass stuff, like Young Dolph. I don't know if this is a family friendly playlist. <laughs> Young Dolph would not fit into that playlist. Probably not, not even some friendly. of Jack Harlow's. But in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, those are those are the the tunes that I kind of think of at least when I go to a Spurs game. Lots of heavy bass and and rap and you know. There you go. With I feel like I feel like Industry Baby is so awesome because it's like it, the song itself is about like everyone doubting them and how like doubting him and how he shows up anyway. Like he's not scared anyway, you know. And I feel like that's just like the perfect song for the Spurs this season. Like going in knowing it's not going to be easy. Okay, so that that's the song that gets Katie hyped for the game. All right. <laughs> what about yes. you, Ben? Um, they don't necessarily get me hyped for the game, um, <laughs> but uh, Montel Jordan's "This Is How We Do It." Okay, there you go. That's um, a good one. Classic. Uh, Joe and I were talking earlier. We're we're pretty sure that Montel Jordan actually did something with San Antonio did for one of their playoff night. runs, and like yeah. that was the featured song for it or something. Um, so that kind of harkens back. Um, Another one that I have on there for funsy is uh, for just for the title is I Gotta Try by uh, Michael McDonald. <laughs> um, very, very yacht rock. So not not sure you'd want that at a basketball game unless you're doing a very specific fan segment. Yeah. But, right. Uh, one, uh, actually, this this one falls into Katie's requirements of heavy bass here. Um, <laughs> yes. Sweet Nothing by Calvin Harris and Florence Welch. Okay. Okay. There yeah. was uh, yeah. that song was huge. I want to say in like 2013 and 2014. Mm -hmm. I heard that at every basketball game I went to. I swear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I put yeah. two songs in here because I remember I hear these songs all the time, even going back into like the 90s, maybe early 80s, late 80s, early 90s. 
it was too unlimited and they still play these songs to this day twilight zone and get ready for this twilight every time zone. they play those songs first fans are like ah because they remember you know that goes with the syn synonymous with the fiesta colors you know which I are come back I was going to say, I love that you also added Selena in there. That's very San Antonio. Like, you can't have a Spurs playlist without some Selena. Yeah, I think we need to add some more songs. Maybe some Cumbia that. Kings. Throw that in the mix. Or Gypsy Kings. I like the Gypsy Kings. I like yeah, their version of Hotel California. Really well yeah. done. Yeah. There you go. So. Oh, Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. <laughs> oh, People bad went bunny. nuts over that guy here. He has to be on that playlist. I'll be honest sure. with you. I ain't a fan of Bad Bunny. Joe, <laughs> it's not for me, man. I'm gonna you be know, honest. With you. It it was hard for me to get into it at first, but like I'm like now I see the allure. Like now I get it's like some of these are like beats for chilling too. It's not just beats you have to like go off on, you know. Yeah. So, but I think I feel like just because Bad Bunny made such an impression on San Antonio in general, like every young person or even young athlete I speak to, they're like, "Yeah, Bad Bunny, Bad Bunny's who I listen to," and you're like, "Really? That's who you listen to before the game?" But I mean, whatever works, you know. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I mean, Bad Bunny, I saw him a couple of times when he was in the WWE making a guest appearance. The guy can wrestle, man. He, he's quite oh, an athlete. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know. he. I didn't know idea he wrestled. Yeah. He, he put on a show. He was there. Uh, I think it was one of the main events that they had. I don't remember if it was WrestleMania or it was uh, one of the other pay-per-views that they had. And he, he came out. He was one of the guest wrestlers and it was a tag team. Uh, event and he did really good he impressed a lot of people i was surprised myself i was like look at him i didn't know he was that athletic <laughs> hey good for you know? him yeah but no he idea. is a performer so you know you got to kind of be in shape in order to put on the show so right you have that. True. so as we go ahead and bring the show to a close let's go ahead and ask you guys real quick here katie we'll start with you what is your go-to movie during this halloween season oh. like gets you in the mood you have to like watch this in order to say, you know what? Halloween has finally arrived. It's always Nightmare Before Christmas. I love oh, it. And I'll watch that oh. from there until probably New Year's Eve. I will watch Nightmare Before Christmas multiple <laughs> times. Was that yours, Ben? Yes. Ben. Yay! What a great choice. Yeah. Oh. It's my favorite. It's just like so nostalgic you know i think that's what it is and it's all creepy and weird and tim burton anything tim burton is life like everything he's made he's made i'm just a huge fan of so if if you get the chance and if you're interested netflix has a series a documentary series of how the movie was made they oh. have one for nightmare before christmas you know what i know exactly what series you're talking about and whenever like i just haven't seen that season yet so yes i've got to get on there and watch that it's love very that. i love 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 that series it just covers every single classic movie that is super nostalgic and just the whole story from inception to finish and it's awesome i think you and and ben share the same brain that's what it is <laughs> there we go Clearly. there we go great minds think alike what can there we say there you go there you go my personal uh favorite movie that i have to watch every every october in order to get me you know hey this is finally Halloween has arrived is going to be American werewolf in London pans down the best werewolf howl I've ever heard. And just the transformations and all that they still hold up in today's world, you know, cause they didn't use a lot of the CGI back then. It was all practical stuff. So I, I, I love watching that movie. I got to watch that movie 
in order to say Halloween has finally officially arrived here. I like watching a good werewolf movie. And as Ben said, me and him both were really excited to watch uh, Werewolf by Night that came out on, on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if you, you've seen it or not, Katie, but it, it's really good. Well done. Black and white. And it has the old intro, too, like when you used to watch the intros from 80s movies. So it, it, we highly recommend it. The, the right yeah. amount of campiness. Yes. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's needed sometimes. Disney Plus is coming up, man. They they have like all the good stuff from like yeah. Yoda. They got baby Yoda and Star Wars and they have everything. Yeah. And your, your good friend there, Pledger, he's a, he's a big fan of everything that has to do with the, the nerd culture, you know? Yes. Yeah. He's a big nerd. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Definitely a fan of that stuff. And what else? Um, what else? There's something else on Disney that's really oh hocus pocus oh yeah hocus Hocus pocus Pocus came out number two and i did watch that the day it came out and so my birthday is october 3rd so i had my friends all (laughs) come to dinner and we had like a little bit of halloween flair and i gave them bags of candy and the whole freaking shebang because i'm like i'm a halloween year-round person like I don't know if you guys know this, but it, like I sometimes uh, do these gigs where I'm different characters, whether it's Wonder Woman or like walking on stilts or whatever. Wow. Like sometimes I'm a Calavera, like whatever character they need, I transform into that. And so I am a huge fan of Halloween, but I'm a year round Halloweener. So nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you real quick, quick, Katie, here before we go ahead and bring this to a close, let us know about your weekend because you went to the San Antonio FC game. You were invited to go by the Crocketeers, which I know as well. I've been to some of these tailgates and they are really well done. You can't go wrong with free beer, free food, great people out there. Everybody's so friendly and welcoming, you know, when you come in there and and you just go and talk with everybody, you get hyped uh, for the game before it even occurs. So what was your experience like? Well, at first I thought you were talking about this coming weekend, and I'm like, it's going to be a doozy. Lots of games in the mix. But last weekend was also really, really fun. SAFC, they're always such a good team to watch. Um, You know, Sam Adoniron, he's an incredible player. Justin Dillon, uh, Jordan Farr, incredible keeper. And whenever you're down at a game with the Crocketeers in the bunker area, it is just a totally different experience. They have the drums going, smoke bombs, a bunch of just really seriously energetic and fanatical soccer fans who love San Antonio FC through and through. And so not only are you in this really cool environment, but you're right there behind the goal. So if a goal is scored or saved, it's just, it feels so much bigger when you're right there next to it. And uh, the Crocketeers do a really good do- job of just supporting and promoting the team. And and people don't realize how important it is for a team to have like a supporter section like that. It There are times when, you know, the team is down and if they weren't hearing drums and chants and if they weren't hearing their name, you know, by them on the field, like they may not have been able to like, you know, bring up the energy to make, turn the game around. Right. And so I think so many of like the fans and supporters, especially the the ones who are dedicated, who go to tailgates before every game and, you know, create um, events for away games, you know, to watch the game. Like, I just think about everything that they put into this club and how much they do for the club. Uh, They definitely deserve all the recognition. And so that's why at this last game, they were um, able to take the supporter shield 
and take photos with it. And I don't know if they're going to keep it and hold it. They have the Copa Tejas trophy, which is uh, which San Antonio FC uh, got when they beat Austin FC and for just pretty much being the best team in Texas. So uh, I think that's just, I don't know, it's just like a really, really cool thing. Um that they do and that they're a part of and they're always working to get more fans at the game and and I think they're just like an invaluable resource honestly for the team. Yeah, and also shout out to Mission City Firm because they're the other supporters group that's over there right next to the uh, Crocketeers and they both always work together to put on a great tailgate for the fans. So if anybody gets a chance, make sure you go out there and hang out with these guys and support them because they do a, a lot of good, not only for the community, but also for the team in general. And the food is pretty good and not a bad gig, you know, to get go out there and have some fun and get some free beer. So you're going to have even a better time. And you, I think you met one of my friends. His name is Jason Garcia, and he was taking pictures with you and Pledger. He says to tell you hi, you know. <laughs> so, oh, hi, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. It's always really fun going down in the mix. I'm normally, you know, reporting or actually covering the game, so I'm typically in the press box, or you might see me pop down with my mic and say something at halftime or pregame, postgame. I'm not typically in the mix having fun, but Pledger demanded that for this game that we had <laughs> to go as fans because we've both been very stressed <laughs> with work, and you know, I I do so much. I do all kinds of things. Um, from UIW, uh, I'm on their sports casting team, and then this, and then I, I host a travel show for Yellow Texas. So I'm very much on the go all the time. I cover Austin FC and San Antonio FC. So I'm very busy, and it just was such a great perspective. Sometimes you learn more by just being there and enjoying it yeah. and not being so focused on every little detail of the game. You know, you pick up the atmosphere and the energy in the crowd, and, and uh, that's something that I've missed. So that was fun. Sounds like you had a great weekend. You had a great time out there with those people, you know, the Crocketeers and Mission City Firm. So yep. good on you. All right. So we're going to go ahead and bring this show to a close here. So thank you guys for watching and listening to another episode of the Two Shots podcast. So for Katie Goodman and Benjamin Bornstein, I'm Joe Garcia. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind. We're out. Peace. Peace.